Welcome back to Tailgates and Turnovers, everybody, the official film crew college football podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, joined tonight by my buddy Birdsong. How's it going tonight, man? What's up, man? How are you? Living the dream. Another nice Tuesday night starting off November here. Great time to be a sports fan. Man, I, I haven't stopped smiling since uh, Monday around lunchtime. <laughs> and why is that? Oh, well, <laughs> the healing yes. can start, man. It's, yes. it's, it's finally the, the one of the worst eras of Auburn football is over. Thankfully, it was only a brief stint, but it's done. Still, the, still too long. Yeah, end of an era, unfortunately, there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, let's just jump right into it before we get to the – most of these games here, uh, Auburn firing Brian Harson after a 41-27 loss to Arkansas. So, I mean, we've kind of talked a few times over the course of the pod just about the situation at Auburn here. So, you know, I don't know how much we really want to get into the nuts and bolts behind what's happened with Auburn and everything. But, I mean, what's the biggest takeaway you have, I guess, from, from Harson's tenure here? Is there anything like – any, I don't want to say words of warning, but any lessons that you think the the school can take away from what's happened? Uh, so I think large picture is just a terrible culture fit, which I which I've said a couple times before. Uh, you know, I think the lesson is we need complete unity right now, in which the boosters are have never been more serious about aligning, no matter who the next coach is. Um, there's the whole reason we got into this debacle in the first place was because of a lack of unity and real leadership in the organization. And Alan Green, the now former athletic director, uh, the the university had no intentions of extending his contract or, you know, renewing his contract when it came to end, which it did this, this summer. And so with that, he was really hindered in to hiring a coach after he was pushed to fire Malzahn. And one thing, long story short, we ended up with, a coach, you know, a few people were turning down the job because of the lack, uh, the lack of unity. And now we, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, anyways, we ended up with Harson, that guy who was very, through the day, just unqualified and just out of his element. And it was just not a good culture fit. Yeah. And obviously the boosters wanted him out. They went to some, uh, they went to some questionable lengths to get him out, but you know, well, and, and I'll touch on that really quick. Uh, some of that is a little bit – the truth lies somewhere in the middle of all of that. Brian, apparently it's come out that Harson is the one who leaked the investigation publicly through ESPN to try and maybe gain uh, – uh, corral some moral support around him and his staff because there were formal and professional uh, complaints put out you know, by the four by Derek Mason, Mike Bobo, the players that are leaving the program about Harson and his – essentially the unprofessionalism in which he was operating. You know, he was bored, you know, it was not, there was abuse of players, not physical, but there was, it was not a healthy, healthy culture. The point that Derek Mason quit, he did not get fired. He quit and took a pay cut to leave and go work at Oklahoma state. And when the, when the university put a formal investigation into Harson, uh, that was a large part of it. And he, there, there's pretty substantial evidence out there now that he was one who leaked it and kind of to try to make all paint Auburn like that. He was being mistreated. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So a little, you know, it never is as simple as what happens when one side gets leaked or anything like that. Um, you know, I feel like it's still not great when you're going after family and, you know, the affair allegations were obviously a step mm-hmm. too far, but absolutely. Even, absolutely. even if you, 
even if you take those aside, like I think it was pretty obvious that there were some culture issues and that there was there were some challenges that got to the point where Mason was quitting and you know where you had other coaches and players leaving the program. So, um, just- I to, yeah, short answer to your question: the lesson the lesson learned is alignment to prevent anything like this from happening again. Everybody needs to be unified and stop worrying about who they want to get. Yeah, just get behind whoever we do have. So speaking of whoever we do have, I mean, there's been a few names that have already popped up as potential replacements here. Um, so I, I guess I just kind of want to get your thoughts on a few of them here. The, the first one, and obvious, arguably the most popular name, uh, is the Lane Train himself, Lane Kiffin, making a jump from Ole Miss to Auburn. So, I mean, how, how would you feel as an Auburn fan if that ended up happening? Lane and Dion are my top two. And... I would be ecstatic if we, if we were able to pull Lane. He's the best play caller in college football, arguably. Uh, I mean, he would be an immediate boost and a shot in the arm of what the program needs right now. It's just a little bit of swagger back. And then, obviously, Lane, Lane and Dion are my top two. Dion's pretty self-explanatory why he went in at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think both of those guys would be a boon to whichever program would end up hiring them. Um the other name that popped up is Hugh Freeze, who, you know, he's been kind of doing his thing down at Liberty, a little bit of a image rehab job going on at Liberty. Um, so where's he in terms of your preferences? Obviously, you got Lane and Dion as your top two, but do you have Freeze anywhere in the ballpark? So, unfortunately, he is in the ballpark. I, everything that I've read and gathered through various message boards and from the actual credible sources is Lane, Lane and Dion are, I think, one and two as far as top tier. Dion now, in full transparency, I think Dion may be more of a formality. I don't know that they – it's just it, – it's such a high-risk, high-reward hire with Dion. We know the reward's going to be good, but it's there's there's a flight risk there over a long period of time that it's this, – this hire is so important to get it right. Um, and I do think our new athletic director is going to go big game hunting on this one. He's not going for the value hire. Um, it, it's publicly known that Wayne is choice one, and there is mutual interest in there last year and the year before that, before they hired Arson. Um, which, you know, it's it's uh, Hugh Freeze, I think, had come, comes with way too much baggage, in my opinion. I, I don't – even if you take the moral, you know, whether you think he's, he's, he's had his punishment and served his time or not, you know, so to speak – that that's kind of a personal opinion, but it's for me, it's uh, even Liberty's had to investigate him since he's been there for some misconduct. And that I just, to me, that's just Auburn doesn't need to be that desperate. Just not worth the circus there. And like I, yeah. the serve your time argument when it comes to a guy like Hugh Freeze specifically is such a strange one to me because like, he still got hired to be a coach. Like he's still getting paid more than most of us get paid to be a a college football coach. So the served your time thing, like, you know, like you said, personal matter of opinion, but it's just kind of tough to say someone served their time when they didn't exactly, didn't exactly get too much of a punishment. But one other name that I kind of thought of, I don't know how you would feel about this, but it was kind of the source of the friction between Harson and the administration, Kevin Steele, you know, he's the DC for Miami. Is he even a possible choice at this point? Obviously, you know, hasn't been too great over it at Miami right now, but Absolutely not. The whole the whole Kevin Steele thing was was simply to bridge a gap between Malzahn and pretty much whoever would be after Kevin Steele. Because okay. again, it came it came back to they the the powers that be were forcing 
they forced Alan Green to fire Malzahn. Alan Green did not want to fire Malzahn. When Alan Green fired Malzahn, they wanted Kev, they were trying to put Kevin Steele in place. As and that was simply a, a, a gap filler until Alan Green's contract expired, which it did. They were going to relieve Alan Green, which they did, and then go on a national search with the new athletic director. But it, but again, Alan Green ended up kind of going rogue because when they did the Kevin's the the stop the steal happened, and Kevin Steele eventually was ushered out and. Alan Green then was left on his own to hire a coach. Well, then, you know, we got turned down by Venables, Cristobal, and uh, a bunch of other, not, it's it's known that, that, that they were off for the job and we ended up with Harson. So, and a lot of that was because of, you no, know, just the boosters were not involved with Alan Green's hire. The, they wanted to speak with the boosters. That obviously couldn't happen because it's, it, uh, it was, it was a very dysfunctional hire. And again, going back to earlier, it's why alignment's so important this time around. Um, yeah, and alignment is going to be huge, especially in a, in a program like Auburn where obviously they've had a past of being successful. And that's kind of what my next and I guess last question about Auburn is for you is, you know, Auburn, we've gotten quite a few questions and quite a bit of discussion, like especially on our Discord on whether Auburn is a better college football job than, you know, insert school here that's also looking for a head coach. Like, Nebraska is a popular one that gets compared and it's tough because you're talking about two schools that are similarly in a bad situation right now based on what the previous head coaching is. So it's hard to not view it through that lens. So, I mean, obviously as an Auburn fan, you're going to be biased. Everybody's going to be biased to their own schools, but what, what is your take on how good of a job Auburn is? Um, all right, well, let me try to do this without talking in circles like I am about everything else. Um, this is, I've been pretty deep and wound up in this for the past few days, as you might yeah. imagine. Um, and everything, it out. Does kind of, uh, every, everything does kind of circle back to another. But so as far as, yeah, so Nebraska, I, Nebraska's great program, plenty of money, plenty of resources. But again, what does Nebraska have that Auburn doesn't? I, I can tell you what Nebraska does not have, and that's, being smack dab in the middle of one of the most, of the most fertile recruiting footprint in the yeah. country. Local you're at town. between your equal parts between Alabama, Georgia. Well, you're in Alabama, Alabama, Georgia, Florida. I eat Auburn. Not too far from Texas. Like no, yeah. no. And it's which Auburn has had success recruiting. Um, so, and, and I think another comparison, I think the most popular comparison right now is there's a bunch of people in uproar about uh, why would Lane Kiffin leave for Auburn when that's, they're viewing that as a lateral move. Yeah. If you, I, I, I think that is a, very lazy take in my opinion and that's and i'll explain it to you with to try to make it to try to uh, as unbiasedly as possible when you when you look at again let's it goes back to what does Ole Miss have that auburn doesn't auburn generates far more money than them year in and year out we have a brand new football facility opening up much more booster support and uh, our nil collective opened eight months ago and their goal was to raise 30 million dollars over three years well, they've already raised $13 million of that. They did that within a three or four month period. So we're looking to probably be closer to 50 million over the next three years for the NIL collective if they were to stay on that pace. Okay. Uh, somewhere in that ballpark. The all, Just because a program has been down for a few years does not mean that that program is not a good job anymore. You know, it's look at Nick Saban and Bama. Bama did not make Nick Saban good. Nick Saban didn't become a good coach because he went to Bama. He was a good coach that went to a school that had been mismanaged 
with the best resources you could possibly have. Yeah. And I'm not saying Alabama and Auburn on equal playing fields. I'm saying this is a comparison. They got a good coach who was able to utilize the resources that that school provided. Auburn, the past decade, has mismanaged those resources greatly. If you get the right coach in place, you can win as big as anywhere in the country at Auburn. It just comes down to who's going to be there. And that's where I think Lane Kiffin would absolutely leave uh, Ole Miss for Auburn. And that's because I think Lane Kiffin knows his cap at, at Ole Miss. Talent-wise, yes, it is less than a lateral move right now. If you're looking out on the surface, would Lane really want to jump and have to take on a rebuild? I think for a platform that Auburn provides, which is a top 15 platform, firmly within the top 20, if you even want to argue that, there's – I think it's a it's a lazy take and a fun take, especially by rivals right now, to poke and say, "Oh no, why? No one who would want the Auburn job? It's such a mess." It's I promise you, it is every with the alignment that's going on right now. There's the whoever is hired next is going to be given every single resource he needs that most schools in the country can't provide. Yeah, that's and again, the rec- the recruiting footprint. Ole Miss doesn't have Ole Miss doesn't even have the rec- near the recruiting footprint that Auburn does. It's a lot closer than Nebraska, but there's still Mississippi. Uh, I mean, look, how many recruiting battles does Ole Miss, even with Lane Kiffin, win over Bama uh, or Auburn, excuse me, right now as it is? Not many, even with the situation of the program. Okay. Yeah, and that was kind of my question, at least for Lane Kiffin specifically, just because, like you would think, obviously he's not as close to states like Alabama and Georgia in terms of the talent base, but at the same time, like he is in that ballpark like for being able to go get that talent. Like it's obviously it's a little more of a hike for him and everything like Mm -hmm. that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess for me, the issue with that, at least with the talent question is that both schools are playing second fiddle to Alabama. Like they're Mm -hmm. both fighting over the scraps to Alabama. And it's fair. Yeah. And it's not necessarily an argument against Auburn, but no, that's fair. If you're you're the head coach at Ole, if you have the opportunity to be the head coach at Ole Miss, which is going to be the top dog in your state, and be able to go into states like Alabama and Georgia, or if you have to go to Auburn and deal with Alabama as your in-state rival. Like, I feel like if I was to argue that it would be a lateral move, then I think that is kind of where I would be coming from there is like, you have a chance to be the the top dog in your state. You'll get your pick of your own in-state recruits and still be able to go out and battle for those out-of-states. Whereas with Auburn, like until Saban retires, which, I don't fucking know when that's going to happen at this point, but um, not soon enough, man. Not, not soon enough. <laughs> Amen. But what until that happens, like you are going to be the don't want to say little brother, but you know, like you were going to be no, the second a, tier. Like no, we, we are we are the, the no. That's that, that's an absolutely fair analogy, and that's again, it just comes back to with the landscape of football is changing, and the NIL collective that Auburn is building is so far superior yeah. than anything that Ole Miss can provide. The school generates – I would look at – I actually looked up online, but Auburn gen, uh, generated just a football program alone. It was tens and tens of millions, multiple tens of millions of dollars. I don't remember specifically, but it was multiple – I mean, it was more than like $50 million difference in what the football program generated annually by revenue than Ole Miss. You're going to have – just more financial help, yeah. Yeah, more, and especially with NIL. But the, the Blaine Kiffin has been vocal about their – the NIL support is not going to be at Ole Miss what it is at Auburn, and that's just based on lack of funds. Yeah. And I, I think with the change – I mean, that's going to really more than even the playing field at the other schools. Um, Could definitely and, see that. And obviously, yeah, you, you just, know, backing up the Brinks truck can, can solve a lot of those problems too. Like, it, we, it we can. saw it last offseason. We saw two no, – 
two big game big game hunts that absolutely paid off, and they have the opportunity to do that. It's just a question of is Alabama or not Alabama is Auburn going to want to sink even more money into guaranteed contracts? Because that's I mean I think that's a serious question. Like obviously they have a lot of money that they're able to pay these contracts out, but these contracts add up. No, they do, and that's and this they've been vocal that the money's not the the two things where they're going big game hunting and money is not going to be an issue on this hire. Now, where you do start to worry. Is, is this a Jimmy Sexton play, you know, super agent Jimmy Sexton, where, you know, as soon as a big name school opens up, whether it's Nebraska or Auburn, whatever, and their coaches' names get involved, they're pumping that like crazy, whether that coach has intentions to leave or not, because what they're really trying to do Negotiate is worst case scenario. The current yeah, school. worst case scenario, they don't get that the bigger job in the pay raise. Well, they're going to Sexton. That's that's a Sexton special right there. Yeah, uh, he's he's bit Auburn with that many times. Which that's their job. Like that's an agent's job yeah. is to advocate for their for their guys. So, so there, there may not be it. that there may not be even that real of interest between Lane and and, uh, and Auburn and that and that hard to that tell right now, yeah. Yeah, because that it could be a sexton a sexton play, but Dion I honestly think is the most likely of those three that we talked about between Freeze, Lane and like not in terms of like who I would prefer if I was an Auburn fan, but I think just the most likely to make that jump. I think Dion, like you talked about, Auburn's a top 15 platform, oh, definitely yeah. top 20. Dion would be able to make that jump. Although, like you said, the flight risk, especially with, as, if Florida State's involved, is going to be big. But as of right now, like it's not looking like Norvell's going anywhere. So if Dion well, and, wants and, and, to make that jump, like that, this is the opportunity. Well, and here's the thing. So as far as the flight risk with Dion, well, I'll start from the top. I do agree that, yeah, he is the most likely because he gets the most of the game. By, by Wayne Kiffin is far less of the game by going to Auburn. Because he can wait for an A and M or a Bama to open up, right? Or, or then you know, Dion does. Dion obviously that's a no brainer. He he would he would crawl to to be at a Power Five program. He would crawl over broken glass. But, and like it, before uh, this, it was going to be like Georgia Tech or you know Nebraska or yeah. something like that. But now and, you have Auburn there, and like like we said earlier, Nebraska is a good program. They have national recognition. They have a past of being a very good football team. But Auburn, it's a little different when, as far as the talent's concerned. Um, you know, it is absolutely. And as far as uh, what was the back end of that question? I'm sorry. Um, we're just, in t- just talking about how Dion is the most likely guy, but you do have to worry about the possibility. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, th- so the, but well, and here's the thing. I think that's a great problem to have because guess what? If, yeah. if Dion comes to Auburn and he's only there for two or three years, and Florida State wants him. Well, guess what? That means that he's doing a damn good job at Auburn, right? Yeah. And he's he's going to leave the cupboard full of talent, and that's and it's another thing too to where you know, Dion's going to be able to build a good staff. I think the other side of the flight risk is let's say you do hire him, he's a fantastic recruiter, but how do we you know how are his X's and O's against top top level coaches who have been doing it their whole life? He's been playing football his whole life, but he hasn't been coaching, and that's. Uh, a lot of people kind of just think Dion is is the truth, but he's still very unproven as, as yeah. a head coach. And that's he'll be able to recruit. We know that. He that that's a given. But it's more of a matter of there's a flight risk of him leaving, which I think is a good problem. And B, there's the worst case scenario: he stays and he's not successful. He he does he goes 500 or worse, and three years later you, you move on. But look at the roster he's built. Yeah, exactly, and like. The talent is the biggest part of being a college football coach, especially building a program like anybody coming into Auburn is going to have to do. So I think Dion would honestly, at least for a transition hire, at the very least for a transition hire, be a slam dunk hire. And and one last point, and we can move on. Uh, the, so as far as Dion or Lane, to be quite honest with you, 
I, I think even though Deion Lane is more, I guess you could say, quote, proven, I, I, I sincerely hope it's Dion because my biggest fear is whichever SEC school, SEC school gets Dion is going to be the biggest problem, and Auburn has the chance to get him now. Why would you not go for him? Because yeah. I would absolutely hate to see Lane Kiffin come to Auburn and then Dion go to Ole Miss. And then, and then I Dion and, be yeah. a successful one, yeah. And well, and Lane would win some games, but Dion's going to recruit his tail off, mm-hmm. and that and that's and that would that would that would kill me to see. Definitely, some buyer's remorse and some FOMO there uh, is a possibility, yeah. but absolutely, yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see what plays out here because, like you're talking about with alignment, like if they can get someone who's actually locked in with what the AD wants to do, or these guys have the same vision, Auburn with its platform can turn it around and be a very good program, and. I'm sure Auburn fans are really hoping that happens. So we just got to see what they're goes saying, on. They're saying the right things right now. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I haven't been very confident over the last 15 years and with Auburn's athletic department, but they know how crucial this is, especially with the playoff landscape expanding and the way things are going. Auburn is very close to becoming to seriously taking a step back as far as the perception of the job if they don't get this right. Yeah, they I, have to get they have to get this right, or they do really risk falling out of that that platform that I've been harping on. Yeah, if they, if they if they whiff on this hire, I think there's like you said, very real risk there. I agree. So, yeah. I think that's enough about the Auburn situation here. So let's talk about some of these games that happened this past week. Uh, we're going to start off with the the sicko game of the week. Miami beat Virginia in four overtimes. Final score of fourteen to twelve. That is, that's filthy. That's that's such a gross score for a four overtime game. That is shades of Penn State, Illinois last year. Like we're there are too many of these games happening in college football. They went into overtime six to six. I feel bad for the people who had to watch it. It's Miami fans, so I don't. But <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, let's look at these drives. I'm going to read these to you out in order of how these drives happened in regulation. Punt, 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 punt. Field goal, field goal, punt, turnover on downs on fourth and one, punt, field goal, punt, punt, and then a tying field goal to send it to overtime. Not a single touchdown got scored in this whole game, including Wait, the overtime. How, how do you get? How do you get to fourteen without uh, a touchdown? More field goals, and then two point. Con- uh, after two overtimes, they have to do the two point conversions. Uh, uh, the overtime score. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So, oh, and overtime is six and six for six. Let's see that now. Yeah, like oh my god, I I would have wanted to just pull my eyes out watching that game. And Virginia, we ex- Virginia, I think with it being a rebuilding program with Tony Elliott there, like we kind of expected Virginia to be struggling. I don't think anybody expected Miami to be this bad with Crystal Ball yeah. there and like hiring Josh but, Gaddis. I don't think I don't think anybody panned that hire when he got there. It's year one, man. It I is. Just, coaches have what the expectations on them are are so are unfairly high in year one, especially. I mean, he took on a rebuild, but he also has a first. He had a quarterback projected to go in the first round of the NFL draft. Like, I think that's the thing. What's around him? I, that's a good point. But if he is truly a first round quarterback, he should be able to elevate talent past Virginia, score a few touchdowns like that. I guess that's my thing with that. Like, I think it's been interesting to see some of these quarterbacks like going into this season that were supposed to be first round quarterbacks like like Van Dyke, like Levis to an extent, like Jakovic, who for some reason had first round buzz. I never understood that, but 
it it was there. But like I, I my enemy's obviously got a very good recruiting class coming in. They've got the bones of an elite class. They've got a couple five stars, quite a few four stars. Like they're gonna be fine on the recruiting trail on the talent perspective from the talent perspective, but Cristobal's big thing has always been X's and O's. It's like you were talking about with Dion being a potential issue. Like he can recruit with the best of them, but when it comes to X's and O's against established coaches, that's where he kind of falters. And I think that is still going to be a problem. Yeah. I mean, it was at Oregon. Yeah. Their quarterback struggled at Oregon. Um, Then again, like it's, College football is a crapshoot, man. Recruiting can be it can be a crapshoot too. A lot of times, it's yeah. just because it's your this perceived talent coming in doesn't mean you're going to pan out. It's it's so tough, and a lot of it's coaching. Um, like you have to yeah, have the correct it, coaches to develop guys. It is. It's that. It is. But you know, People a lot of times too, it's it's misses on recruiting, just misvaluations. Yeah. It's you've got kids who have, who have hit their ceiling in high school and they're beating the shit out of everybody in high school and they come to college and never get any better. Just don't grow and, or just don't yeah, get any faster. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it, it's, yeah, it's a crapshoot, man. Just, just. It is. And I'm, Miami, it's like you said, year one, all of these year one coaches, like unless they're winless should be getting the benefit of the doubt for year one. You always talk about how you got to get your guys and everything like that. But, you know, there's a lot of situations going on with quite a few of these schools that they just got to be able to get it right and get it figured out. So Bennett had the question here for the outline on whether or not Gaddis was a bad hire. I still think it's too early to tell, um, but I do think that there should be some concern with how Van Dyke has performed this year since Gaddis was supposed to be, you know, people were talking about Gaddis being like, disagreeing with Harbaugh's philosophy on how the offense should run. And like, you know, he was the guy that wanted to open it up more. And Harbaugh was the guy who was the stick in the mud run first guy, which Harbaugh is that guy, but like there, there should be some slight concern going forward. I think maybe not to get, the point of wanting him fired just yet, but like you, you should be having some questions. I, I need a bigger sample size before I fire somebody. And yeah. it, unless, oh, you're showing, unless you're showing complete schematic ineptitude, in something as, as a coordinator and just lack of ability to coach, which for, I guess on a very broad scale coach, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, you need a bigger sample size because Van Dyke, who's to say he's not the reason the offense is being held back because right. he's, you know, that's you, it's, not the guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's way it's because you, there's coordinators plenty of times that are ultra successful at one school, go to their next school and it, the, nothing again, because what do they have to work with? Yeah. Right. You can't, you know, you can't, it's early. You gotta, you gotta have the clay to work with. Yeah, it's it is definitely early. It's just it. It's worth keeping an eye on because they have kind of struggled this season on offense, and like you know, that was Gaddis's job was to take them to the next level. So, I think yeah, going and I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying Crystal Ball won't move on and demand something better. I'm just saying on my, yeah. I, I can't sit here and honestly tell you I think it's a bad hire right. at this point. Yeah, I think it's way too early to say it was an outright bad hire. Um, but yeah, I mean that's about it from the Miami game. Obviously, with a with a 14-12 and four overtime result, there's not a ton to talk about there. But uh, this next game, we've got a little more high score. We had number seven TCU going into Morgantown and winning by double digits, forty-one to thirty-one over West Virginia. Um, I mean, about what we expected. The spread was seven, so when you get, take that three-point home field advantage into account, ten points was what they were anticipating the this final uh, spread being. Um, it got close. It was it was close to covering for West Virginia. <laughs> TCU put it away uh, with two minutes left in the game, and uh, 
I, I took TCU on our down with the picnics episodes. And uh, so I, I was relieved when they scored that touchdown, but it was, it was closer than what I think even I anticipated it being over the course of this game with how West Virginia's. Yeah. I, I mean, I would, I would completely agree with that. Wholeheartedly agree with that. It definitely was a closer outcome. I thought TCU was going to smoke them. Yeah. Kind of did too. I, yeah. I expected to maybe see TCU in the top four after that game, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, it's going to be cool. – and, you know, the college football playoff rankings just came out, and so we can maybe talk to those at the mm-hmm. end if you're if you're still able to be with us. Uh, if not, yeah. I can rant about them. I've got no problem with that. But, you know, uh, Max Duggan had a pretty good game, three touchdowns, one pick. Uh, puts him to 26 touchdowns and two picks on the year, having a very good season. Uh, Kendra Miller, 120 yards on 12 carries and a touchdown, 10 yards per carry. I mean, you can't really ask for much more from those two guys. No, 10 yards for carry is pretty outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what else do you want? Even for college running backs where typically it's like a good running back is like six to seven yards per carry. Like having 10, that's that's about as good as you can ask for there. Man, even, even in college, six to seven is elite. I mean, I mean, yeah. five over the course of the season is outstanding as right. well. Yeah. That's, you know. It's just – tell you what, man, though. Quentin Johnson is a dude. He is going to be – he's going to be one of the first – three or four receivers off the board, right? Like, he's got to be. Uh, I mean, hard, definitely hard to argue. Uh, I'm not going to you know, in, I'm not going to sit here and act like I've watched him all year long. Right, yeah, all, not, not a ton of tape, games, but... but No, he's balling out. I mean, yeah. there's... Absolutely I mean, stud. Yeah. Yeah, Bennett had the question, is he the best non-Ohio State receiver in the nation? Um, that's a tough question because I think Jordan Addison is also up there. Obviously, Smith and Jigba has been injured, so it's been kind of tough to watch. But Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr. has been a baller too. Like it, yeah. Ohio, Ohio State has just got a wealth of wide receiver talent. It is completely unfair. I hope Brian, Brian Hartline, Hartline man goes somewhere else. Please get away from that damn school. Bring him down to Auburn. I've said it, man. He's my dark horse. So I want. I give him. Open, just back oh the Brinks gosh. truck up. Well, you don't need to back the Brinks truck up. Well, you, if you somehow strike out and everybody else. Bring in Hartline and then give him all the money he needs to build a staff and recruit some players. That's yeah. what you do. Yeah, he's just easily the best recruiter at his position in the country. Like I don't he's think a great offensive mind too. I think. Yeah, it's just not even not even close. So yeah, good game there for TCU. Um, moving on, staying undefeated, they're poised to win the Big Twelve, and I think that was definitely a surprise for a lot of people. In turn, although the Big Twelve had a lot of parity coming into the season. It's nice to see TCU be the guy, the team that can strike and make this make this their uh, conference. Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got the Fox Big Noon kickoff game with Ohio State and Penn State in Happy Valley. Uh, Ohio State ended up winning forty four to thirty one. Uh, closer game though than the score indicates, which I think has been kind of uh, a pattern with Ohio State when they've played some bigger opponents this season. It happened week one with Notre Dame. They ended up winning by ten, but they were trailing going into the half like they've been able to make those second half adjustments and part of that is because in the first half Ryan Day just refuses to run the ball a lot it's it's just like I know that he is very much a spread offense guy but when he's running the ball it works so well because you have all those threats at wide receiver like that you can't stack the box against it so you have the opportunity to do that and he's just you just got to be more balanced on offense. Like, and it's hard to criticize Ohio state too much because they are undefeated and they're winning these games. But like, it just feels obvious that they should be able to run the ball more efficiently and more frequently than they do. 
Well, especially when they're playing a little – when they're not playing lesser competition like some of their yeah. schedule is. And those games, yeah, I think they probably get a little – they get used to airing it out and think, oh, you kind of get a they false confidence. Uh, yeah, you, well, you, it's not a false confidence, excuse me, but, uh, you know, get this idea that you can kind of go out and do it against anybody. Yeah, right. Penn State's got a, a plenty sound defense. Yeah, no, that, I mean I, – I, when you're playing somewhat level playing field talent, yeah, are you running the ball is how you win games. You have to say, yeah, absolutely. When games are closed, being able to run the ball is huge. And, mm-hmm. you know, Penn State didn't do themselves any favors, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Sean Clifford threw three picks. Like, that's not going to win you ball games. Um, He's they, just an average quarterback, man. They Sean gotta, Clifford's just an average quarterback. They've got to move on. That's crazy. Right, well, they, they are after this year. That's yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I am curious if they're going to move on to Alar. Apparently, there's been some uh, there's been some discussion about it. It sounds like Franklin hasn't been as firmly pro Clifford with some of his uh, press questions this at least this week as he has been in the past. So there's a chance that we might see Alar going forward here, and that's going to be really interesting. But Clifford's just not getting it done. Like th- that's really just the long and short of it. No, he's not. And and I, I has James Franklin ever developed a quarterback? To be something other than an average college starter? No. Like, it yeah. definitely doesn't feel like it. Had enough time I, Sean to. Clifford's not the I, – I don't think it's Sean Clifford's got some talent that they're wasting, that they're no. just completely striking out on. I, I think he's, he's, he's just, a you know, a probably above average talent. I don't yeah. – maybe at best, because average is – in the scope of college football can be very mediocre. But so if, if you want to talk about the scope of it, yeah, he's probably an above average quarterback. But he's he plays talent wise anyways, but he plays average at times to mediocre, and it's yeah, yeah. I don't. He's he's been, not, that's one where he's he's been there a long time. That's yes. one of those things where okay, if if, Experience. if, if that's if if that clay's already molded and that's all you've got, then there's there is no possible way you can because you can only coach you can only coach a quarterback so much. I mean, they've either got to have it or they don't, as far as mentally and accuracy wise. Clifford doesn't. But, yeah, well, and it's just like what. Okay, what what have you not figured out behind him? Yeah, again, then that that then you have a sample size of question: Is it a development issue? Right. Are you with? How are your evaluations? You know, are there there? That's where you can start getting into the sample size thing. Where okay, you've got the sample size. Mm-hmm. Is there a coaching problem? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same problem that like A and M has had. Although, you know, Jimbo Fisher obviously comes in with a higher profile of being an offensive guy than Franklin. Like, it's it is a very good question on whether or not Franklin can develop a quarterback. And I think he's going to have a better opportunity to do that with Drew Allar than he did with Sean Clifford. But if you're not able to develop Allar, if you're not able to put weapons around him to succeed, then then what are you doing, honestly? And he just signed a big extension. Like, that's – could see buyer's remorse happening very quickly if he can't develop Allar and if the, if Allar can't help them take the next step. Because they've got to beat Ohio State. Like, they're still in divisions. You have to beat Ohio State and you have to beat Michigan in order to win your mm-hmm. – to get a chance at the playoff. Like, you can't do that without losing – without yeah. with losing one of those. So Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Stroud, he didn't – like you said, Penn State's got a stout defense. Like, they, they have built their defense to stop Ohio State, and for a decent amount of time, it was working. Like, they – they were able to contain Ohio State for the most part. And honestly, like Ohio State's defense kind of is what made the score end up be as bad as it was. Like they put Ohio State in very good position, but Stroud, the passing game didn't look completely on all, all the time. And say so it's secondary solid. Yeah. Their secondary in particular is solid. It's that is one that is one position group Penn State has definitely done very well at 
in recent history is putting putting solid defensive backs like into the NFL. So and just their skill players in general, man. Yeah, their skill players they've done very very well with running backs. Yeah, like a, you know, obviously they've got a lot of good talent at the skill positions. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Ohio State's still in the driver's seat for the for the conference. The game against Michigan is probably going to be the one that decides it. And unless some crazy stuff happens, it might be the one that decides who gets the one Big Ten playoff spot. Like, there's a chance they get two, but I, I think it's way too early out to know for sure. But moving on here, the next game, uh, Notre Dame with yet another ranked win in this very, very confusing season for the Fighting Irish. Uh, they've got two top 25 wins and two losses against teams that have Notre Dame as their only FBS win. It's, uh, it's confusing because they, they kind of dogged on Syracuse. It was 41 to 24. Like the, it started off with a very first play was a pick six and that just completely set the tone for what was going on. Yeah. Um, but Notre Dame's offense, the run game is definitely coming along and, it was a key to the game that I talked about last week where I was definitely a little more down on what was going to happen with this game. But uh, that was the one thing I did think that they were going to be able to dominate was on the ground. And they did that. Drew Pine still stinks. Like he's, <laughs> he, he's not good. Like he, he locks in on mayor so much and it just, comp- there's been a lot of discussion about replacing Tommy, Tom Reese after this season. And I think it's just a lot of different problems going on. Like Pine is a backup quarterback. That's who he is. Like it, at a certain point you have to acknowledge that, but it, it's just tough. Like they, they are obviously in a state of flux with their offense. And luckily the run game and the defense have been able to kind of carry the load for that, but they're coming up against a really good Clemson team this weekend. I don't think it's going to save them on the other, and on the other side of the ball. Um, honestly, the, uh, the backup for Syracuse that came in, he honestly was playing pretty well for the most part. Um, might not necessarily show, show on the stat line, but he looked good. He was making good throws that his wide receivers just were not catching. They weren't putting themselves in good position. They just, they're bad in terms of skill talent. Like Syracuse, we've probably seen as high as they're going to get. I don't think they're that good. It's just tough. Like, um, they, no, no, I, I would agree with that. That Syracuse is kind of achieving pretty high heights for them. Yeah. This is, um, this, this was their ceiling. And I think, I think Notre Dame is a better team than the teams that have lost to Marshall and Stanford. Like the Marshall game, you can write off as like an emotional come down game, even though you don't want those, like that might've just happened. The entire team played poorly and it Marshall was just able to take advantage of it. That Stanford game just still blows my mind that they lost that game. It's, Syracuse played Clemson pretty close a, a couple weeks ago. Is that yeah. correct? Am I, uh, I that? think, I think yeah. it was a 10 point, uh, differential. It was there. when it was Cade Klubnet came or Klubnet, whatever his yeah. name is, came in. And the, yeah, I watched that game. Yeah, that was that was a hell. That was a fun game. To it watch, was a fun game. Um, and apparently rolling with DJU again this week, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, Notre Dame's got a chance to keep it. I think it is going to be a low-scoring game, uh, based on what I've heard. The uh, the weather's not going to be great there, so I think you're going to see a pretty low-scoring game overall. But Notre Dame's got a chance. I don't know how good of a chance they have. But I think that's yeah, I, it, it, yeah, it is tough because if DJ plays bad, they're going to put Cade in, and he's the real freaking deal. Yeah, Cade, uh, Cade played pretty damn well from from. I, he's the best quarterback on that roster, but he's I I I admire uh, Dabba for for Staying trying to build him. that, trying to build him up. He's a good kid. He works hard. He really doesn't do too much that bad. He just had an inconsistent game against Syracuse, and they needed a spark and. The fact that he publicly—I I remember after the game, the post-game 
you know, little interview on the field. He was Dabo went out of his way to make sure he said DJ's our guy. We're rolling with him. You yeah. know, he had a bad day today, but we're moving on from that. Um, you know, I think that speaks a lot to DJ and his leadership mm-hmm. uh, and what the team thinks about him too, because he's he's not a bad player. He's just inconsistent. Yeah, and um, I think I think it does say a lot about Dabo too, because as yeah. much as he's a cornball and as much as he as much as people's complaints about him are, he sticks with his guys, whether that's good or bad. Like he, he I think if it was a detriment, if it was a detriment, a true detriment, he would. Yeah. He, he would, he, it's, he's not going to risk his job. You know, he's not going to just blindly do it. If he, if he thought DJ couldn't play, he wouldn't be playing him. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this, we'll talk about this in the preview pod, obviously, but uh, I think this loss says more about Syracuse than it does about Notre Dame. Long story short, uh, and you know, it, be completely honest with you, if I had paid a little more attention to lines and stuff this weekend, I probably would have taken Notre Dame. To, oh, I, to I didn't feel good about this game at all. I was, I, you know, I just I, it, after the, the considering the Clemson game. No, you don't. But that's just more of a gut feeling thing because yeah. you know I, Notre Dame's got the better athletes. Yeah, but so does so does Clemson though, and they right. are just lost. But I mean, it's like you said about college football. It's crapshoot, man. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it is. Speaking of crapshoots, this next game, uh, I was about as wrong on this one as it as possible. Um, Kansas State beat the brakes off of Oklahoma State. It was forty eight to nothing. I'm pretty sure it was it was like thirty five to nothing. It might have been thirty five to nothing at the end of the first quarter, or at least by halftime. Like it was, they dog walked them. Um, that's that's tough. I I had Oklahoma State winning this one pretty comfortably. I was completely off base with that. Deuce Vaughn looked incredible. Made Oklahoma State look silly, and the offense just didn't produce against a team that they are better than. If you look at the talent composite, and Bennett had an interesting question here for our outline. Do the talent composite rankings matter once you get outside of the top five to ten? As far as does the five to ten, the recruiting class ranking or the, yeah, the composite? The, t- the yeah. talent composite. So, like, when you take into account all the recruiting classes and transfers. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's a good question. I still lean yes. I mean, obviously, these upsets happen. But if you play this game – 10 times do you think Kansas State wins this game a majority of the times yeah I mean blue chip blue chip ratio is yeah. what absolutely matters um I I don't I don't know if it necessarily there's going to be upsets right you know now six now 60 or 48 to zero excuse me 48 to zero that's is, huge that, that, that's 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 I would yeah I guess it's still said clean upset but that's not even like that game was close yeah um yeah, I mean, it, it matters, I think, long-term as far as championship outlook. You look at the programs that are consistently in the hunt. Whether they're winning or not, they're consistently a, you know, a top-five team. Yeah, they're the ones at the highest blue-chip ratios. But on a game-by-game, game, anything can matters. happen. Do I think it matters big picture? Yes. But on a game-by-game game basis, not always. Yeah. Funny things happen. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look in like the top 30, top 40 of the talent composite rankings, you see the – consistent top 25 teams like and i think that's kind of where it comes in so like even once you get outside the top five top 10 like you see teams that are consistently in the top 25 and it's because they consistently recruit well enough to be in that talent so i don't think this game shoots down the stars matter argument no no because there's there's always going to be a flu now again 48 zero is more than a 
I, I, that's all it's even hard to categorize as a fluke. Yeah. I mean, you just got your, you just got your ass kicked. Yeah. I mean, that's y- y'all are, yeah, that's either Kansas state is severely underrated or Oklahoma state are frauds. One of the two. Yeah. I, I tend to think the former, but I think that's just because uh, I think, yeah, 48. That could be a combination. It could yeah. be a combination thereof. Cause oh, you're being the top 10 team, 48 to zero. Kansas state's not that good. I, Kansas state's not that good. I think it's probably more of, the latter, where it's Oklahoma State's a little not bit necessarily of a game, as but good. Where, yeah, yeah, I tend to agree with that. Yeah, they could have won by more. That's the scary thing. Like they could have just absolute. They might have been able to score seventy on them. Could have could have underbusted that easily. But yeah, just absolute ass kicking there. So um, next up, we've got Louisville beating number ten Wake Forest forty eight twenty one. So a top ten team going down. Uh, this was actually my money line dog this week. Uh, so this might have been like my one hit out of the five picks that I made, but you, I, you picked you picked Louisville. Money I did. Line? I did pick Louisville money line. So <laughs> I just had a weird feeling about it. I couldn't give. I honestly could not give a good reason why I felt like Louisville was going to win. I just felt like they were due for one, and I had a weird feeling about this game. Um, turnovers were huge. Wake Forest committed six turnovers in the third quarter alone. Oh, eight turnovers total. So they matched Miami's dog shit performance from the week before. Um, yeah. I mean, and just the types of turnovers, we had a 46 yard pick six, two strips, three strip sacks, a 90 yard pick six, and then an, another pick. Just, that's the third quarter alone like that. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose, you're going to lose your ball game when that happens. Like there, not a whole lot of teams are good enough to overcome that. Uh, no. Eight turnovers. Absolutely not. No, that's, yeah. Tough, let alone two or three. Yeah, that's tough. I still think Wake Forest is a pretty good team. Like Sam Hartman is a good quarterback. Everybody has off days. Like obviously, this was this was about as off a day as you can get for a quarterback. But it's I don't think it's really. Yeah, I was I was pretty high on him. I was pretty high on him after that Clemson game. Yeah, Um, he he absolutely balled in that Clemson game. He did. That was talk about a fun game. That was a really fun one to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but Louisville a good win. Scott Satterfield maybe saving his job. Especially with this recruiting class, if he's able to hold the recruiting class that he put together uh, in place and gets them all to sign, like I feel like he might keep his job, which I was not expecting to happen going into the season. Honestly, so I'm j- I'm just seeing this. And I, sorry to pivot a little bit off what you're no, saying, you're fine. but the, there was three strip sacks. Yeah, that's nuts. That's battle line play, like. That's that's nuts. One, yeah. you could say the quarterback's holding on to the ball too long or something like that. If you're if you're getting beat that bad where the defensive line is on the backfield that much, like your O line is not doing you any favors there. No. No. That's that's tough. That's yeah, you're not gonna that's hard to win games. Yeah. It's hard hard to win when you're losing the turnover battle when you're losing it by yeah. eight. That's uh almost impossible. I mean strip sacks are almost more frustrating than than uh, picks, yeah, interceptions on, on, for a quarterback's perspective because you can't interception can be an arm punt at least. Yeah, yeah, interceptions are less damaging and also well, typically because it is a lot of times you can get some yardage out of it. Yeah, but uh, also, I mean that's a strip sack. There's nothing you can do about it. You're just getting wrecked. You're just getting absolutely rocked back there in the pocket. Yeah. That's tough. It is so. 
Uh, good win for Louisville, bad loss for Wake Forest. So we'll see how they bounce, well, how Wake bounces back because they stayed in the in the uh, college football playoff rankings. So uh, next up, we had Oregon beating Cal forty-two to twenty-four. Um, not as close as the score indicates. Uh, Cal has scored a couple of garbage time touchdowns. Bo Nix, Bo Nix is doing some good Bo Nix things. That's uh, six touchdowns, man. It's impressive, like especially. If he hadn't had as bad of a game as he did against Georgia, he would be smack in the middle of the Heisman race. Yeah, okay. They were, again, that was, and I, a lot of it too is because that kind of confirmed a, a, a national media narrative against Bo Nix that, you know, is, is what all the media wanted to see. They were hoping that that's what happened to Bo Nix, yeah. which I still just don't understand why there's so much public heat for that kid. He's, a, he's, bombing's a class act. But yeah, and I mean, um, I'm sure you get more of it down where you are too, just. By virtue of location. Well, and again, like it comes back, and I'm not, I'm not going to go on about it again. It does come back to I, I have sympathy for him because he took the heat yeah. for why Auburn was bad, and I'm sitting there like, if, if you know anything about football and you watch the game, and it, like if you can sit there and actually critique it, you knew Bonix was not the problem. He was hiding deficiencies that yeah. were, were on the offense, and and it get it proves my point I was saying earlier. Sorry, we're talking about coordinators, or you're talking about quarterbacks. Should be good quarterbacks. Should be elevating the play of those around them. Those this it's college football. It's not the NFL. Like uh, I think that applies a little more to the NFL, where you can elevate guys around you because they still have a lot of talent. Yeah. If you're a good, a good quarterback, you have that Tom Brady that t- helps you take the next step. That's but true. in college, Bonix Bonix had nothing. Yeah. Nothing around him at all. He had a bad O line, average at best receivers. I mean, not good. Re- Outside this freshman year, but the, the, the scheme was terrible. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm happy for him, man. He, he's he's proven everybody wrong. He's, yeah. I mean, he's he's balling out. Yeah. I, and good conscience, I still can't say that. I think he should win the Heisman just because, like, no, I don't no, think no, anybody, no, 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 no. I don't think anybody can win the Heisman if they have a game. Any I'm game. not saying. He, oh yeah, no no no! I, just like yeah, you're gonna see people like if he continues this for the rest of the years, like should Bo Nix be considered? It's like. I think he'll be in New York, but I think he'll probably finish fourth or fifth in the voting. So whatever close yeah. to the bottom is, yeah, I could, um, I could see that. Um, I, I just don't think I don't think he's gonna. I don't know that he deserves the credit for he's he's not the only reason Oregon is good, right? Is yeah. he is he excelling at? Yeah, I mean he, I, that production is so consistent week in and week out, and hard so to argue. That's the thing; it's consistent, massive production. That's yep. where it's like. Okay, you're not doing it on a full – you can play ball if you're doing that. You're not getting carried. No, and I, I still don't think he's an NFL starter. I, I think he'll – he's going to make a roster. Good college quarterback. He'll, he'll hang around in the league for a few years. He's just a really good athlete, yeah. I think, more so than a quarterback. And I think he'll – he's gotten more mature, and he's playing much more poised this year at Oregon, but he's got better talent around him too. Yeah. And a, a line that can actually pass protect. But Yeah, and he did still I, have yeah. two picks too. So, I mean, like it, was, it wasn't all gravy or anything like that, but – you know, well, and that's a, yeah, and that's and that's. I'll take two picks interceptions. If, I'll take two picks if it means you score six touchdowns. Well, and if you look at it, I, his uh, his stats on the year, I I think he's thrown. He has not thrown. I'm gonna look him up right now. He has not thrown turned the ball over hard. His turnovers were never his problem. The whole Bo Picks narrative was just funny because it rhymes with his right, name. Yeah. Bo Picks is funny, to, but even at Auburn, he never. I think he threw eight interceptions his freshman year. It could don't quote me on it. It was something in the ballpark, but then. Uh, I mean, in his uh, the last year at Auburn when he bro- broke his leg, he'd only thrown three interceptions on the year up to that point. Yeah, I mean, I mean he was. Yeah, so looking at his uh, looking at the stats here for this season, before this game and since the Georgia game, he'd only thrown one pick. 
Uh, yeah. In that time, he has thrown 17 touchdowns. So, yeah. like, he, he has played insanely well. and The kid can ball. He, he yeah. can play ball, man. He's, yep. he just, he's in a good situation for him. Thankful, thankfully for him. For sure. Um, but, yeah, good win for Oregon. Uh, Cal, just not a good ball team. Um, yet another Notre Dame win that's looking worse and worse as the year goes on. So, great times here up in South Bend. But uh, next up, we've got number 17, Illinois, continuing to do their thing. Uh, they beat Nebraska 26-9. to in the driver's seat for the Big Ten West, and uh, Chase Brown has a lot to do with that. I, talking about dudes that can ball, he is definitely one of those guys. Uh, yeah, th- 30, absolutely. 32 for 149 and a touchdown, like just pounding the pounding the all game, um, especially with Illinois. They had quarterback injury issues, so being able to lean on Chase Brown is huge for them to be able to maintain that while they're still working through that, but – uh, on the Nebraska side of the ball, Casey Thompson did get hurt. Not like their season can get a whole lot worse than it has, but uh, that's one way it can. So I'm going to have to see how that affects them. But besides that, I mean, this was kind of what we expected with this game. We expected it to be lower scoring. We expected Illinois to win comfortably. Like, it didn't – nothing surprised us here, I don't think. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I would, I would categorize that as – as a surprise, honestly, kind of maybe would have expected Illinois to win a little more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, not by much. It's not like there's yeah. some offensive juggernaut. Yeah, it's t- it's tough for Nebraska. And that they're answering the same they they're asking themselves the same question Auburn is right now, just where do they go from here? And who do we th- who do we think they get? I mean, what I think Matt Rule would be a huge hire for them personally. Rule would be a big one. The only the only problem with that is that any college that hires him has to pay 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 out the rest of his uh, Panthers contract too. I think is that are you? Should, no, I don't think that's. I think he got forty million guaranteed from the Panthers, and that was that was it. I don't think he's out of buyout from a because he was fired. Yeah, but I think there was reporting that came out that said if a, if a team hired him or if a college hired him that they would have to pay at least a portion of that. So. Um, if that's true, which obviously it's been a couple of weeks, so I'd have to go back and look and see if anything like corroborated that. But if that's true, yeah, that's 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 hard to wrap my head around because if you're fired from somewhere, you're then punishing your future employer for hiring. Uh, I would think, yeah, I don't know. That's, it that's it might have been a clause in the contract. Like I, I don't honestly I have no idea. That's because why would they care if he coaches somewhere else if they fire him? Right. That's yeah. Car- the I, I, I'd, be, I'd be interested. No, I'd be interested to look in that. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not questioning you, challenging you. Yeah, I'm just if that's. I'm just saying if that's so. That's very peculiar. It is. That's, it is very would, peculiar. So, and it might not be true. It might have just been something that got reported but wasn't true. That yeah. was just the most recent reporting I saw on that, which was obviously right after it happened. So it's been a bit since that. Yeah. But, um, okay. But yeah, I mean, I think Matt Rule will be a good one. Matt Campbell would not be a home run hire by any means. But well, the would, the reason I say Matt Rule is is because. And I apologize not to talk over you, but the reason I, I say Matt Rule is because he's you know, he's a candidate for the, he's actually uh, this is his agents reached out to Auburn already. Have they? Uh, he, yeah, he, he's he's a candidate for Auburn too, but I think he's a program he, builder. I well, that's the thing. I think he's such a good fit for Nebraska. I'm not saying I don't want him at Auburn. I'm saying yeah. just on a national scale. If you look at Nebraska, I think that's about as good as they could hope for because as far as what he can bring to the table and building a program especially at a school that struggles to recruit compared to a lot of national contenders. I mean, the guy is an excellent talent evaluator. He's, he's proven that in college. Yeah. Um, what he did at Baylor was remarkable. 
especially considering all the baggage they had around their program. And, but, and he's having recruiting against Texas and A&M. And he did not uh, – his recruiting evaluation, that's one of the strongest things about him. Yeah. That's not my opinion. That's a national opinion. Um, he, I, I think – Completely agree there. Home, I think he would be a killer hire for Nebraska. Yeah, and I thought like you see some of the usual names coming out after that too. Like Matt Campbell is one. I don't like that hire for either side. Although it seems like the walls might be closing in on Campbell, so he may be looking to get out before he does get fired. I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I think Matt Rule is probably one of the top candidates for them, or at least it should be, just because of his ability. Like we talked about to build a program. Like I think that's something Nebraska needs is someone who can build solid foundations for the program to go forward. But in the meantime, 17-point loss to Illinois. Illinois keeps trucking. Um, control their destiny in the Big Ten West. Might see them in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship. Like, I didn't expect this. I had Minnesota winning the, the the West this year. But Illinois, they've taken all comers, and they've their only loss was a loss to Indiana on an admittedly questionable call by the referees and by the officials in terms of whether or not a field goal was good. Um, if that's your only loss, I mean, maybe you shouldn't be that close to Indiana if you're a top if you're a top twenty five team. But um, that's not too bad of a season for Illinois by any means. No, absolutely not. Bealum Ball's rocking up there. They're top twenty, man. That's yeah. that's they're legit. You can't you can't ask for too much more Especially out, of, out of that program out of Illinois for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we've got a G five matchup, uh, soon to be Big Twelve matchup though. Uh, UCF beat number 20 Cincinnati 25 to 21, uh, which puts Tulane in the driver's seat for a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, Liberty's also in the mix there, but Tulane now is going to is the uh, the G5 team that's going probably the favorite to get a New Year's Six Bowl if they can win their conference if they can win out. So uh, that's interesting. Um, Cincinnati, I think everybody everybody saw them kind of falling back down to earth a little bit, but. Uh, Luke Fickle is still a very good coach. He's still able to coach his roster up very well. It's just hard to replace all the talent they lost in the draft. Like that's really the yeah, absolutely. And UCF's a good UCF's a good team. They've had a couple losses. They shouldn't have. A game just shouldn't have lost. But it's Gus Malzahn. Gus Bus. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's you know the Gus Bus pumped their tires up for this one though. Uh huh. They definitely uh, did. And that's that because that's a, that's a quality win for them. Yep. Uh, next up, we've got Mizzou beating the formerly ranked South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, it was a fun week. One week of them being in the top twenty-five. Um, yeah, bad loss. Honestly, like that's hideous, man. That is hideous. Shane Beamer is building that. That is not a high. That's a that that deflates Shane Beamer a little bit. Not a quality loss by any means. Although you know, Mizzou they've shown that they can do crazy shit. Like they had Georgia on the ropes. Like maybe that's maybe that was just Georgia having an off week. But and they have a little bit of talent. Missouri's yeah. recruited decently. I'd say the decently. Set- in bold letters, but for Mizzou to be recruiting in against SEC teams, they've done it. They've held their own in some yeah. aspects. I mean, St. Louis is a pretty talented, uh, has a pretty decent amount of talent coming out of it. So, like, okay. they're able to get some in-state talent there. Um, not as much as like you know your Georgias or your Alabamas or anything like that. Yeah. But like, you can get a few guys out of there. But I mean, Rattler, putrid stat line: twenty for thirty for one hundred seventy-one yards and a pick. Like, that's not. Oklahoma made the right decision. I mean, 20, 20, for, <laughs> 20 for 30, 20 for 30 is not a, a bad completion percentage, but the 170, yeah, I mean, out of 20, 
if you told me Spencer Rattler completed 20 passes against Missouri, I would have put him over 220 yards. That would yeah. have been that's where not, I would have firmly placed that. That's not even six yards per attempt. Like, that's, that's no, bad. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, unfortunately, the Rattler experiment not seeming to work out down there in South Carolina. But, again, Beamer's one of those guys. I think he's a good coach, and South Carolina is still – overperforming what you would expect South Carolina to be, to be doing at this stage in their rebuild. So like, it sucks. Like this is a bad loss, but I think you're not, it's not something where you're starting to, you know, no, no one's the, yeah. The Beamer's seat is not getting hot over that. Yeah. He's, he's still, he's not working with a lot of talent down there. Right. Um, It'll take time. It. It, yeah. Oh, and it's, it's a tough job, man. Yeah. That's a tough, that might be one of the hardest South jobs Carolina. in college football, honestly. And, well, and that's where I think, you know, Muschamp, he, you know, everyone, he's like, oh, he's failed twice. He'll never get a shot at, as a head coach again at a big program. I, I think, and part of it's just because I love Muschamp. I think I love his, I love the character Will Muschamp on the sideline. I think yeah. one, he's, a, he's one of the best defensive coaches in the country. That's them and, and recruiters. But I, I think he's learned enough coaching to where if he had uh, had a good program who needed a coach, I think he would be successful. Florida, he was a tough situation for him. They had a lot of kind of meddling going on mm-hmm. with boosters, and he he just struck out on uh, the offensive coordinator hire. Um, I can't remember his name, yeah. but he he. Um, and the South Carolina, he had – it's hard to be successful in South Carolina. You yeah. can't say he was I, – I, I, I just have a gut feeling if Muschamp got another shot, I think he would get it right the third yeah. time around. He, he's he's a heck of a coach. It just goes to show how hard that South Carolina job is. As an Auburn fan, would you be interested in Shane Beamer at all? Give me Will Muschamp, man. You, would you take Muschamp? <laughs> okay. I, I love Muschamp. Yeah. I, 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 it's not. It's not going to happen. Yeah. He, he's enjoyed. It. He's been to Auburn two different times, and he he's enjoyed it. He's very well respected at Auburn. He likes Auburn too. But yeah, uh, we have to. We it, you got to get. We're going big game hunting, and right. it's just it's just not it's just not going to happen. This time. And I don't think uh, Will has any desire to really leave Georgia. No, I mean if Auburn offered the head coaching job, I I mean I would think he'd be hard pressed to not take it. He's a competitive individual. Yeah. Um, and, and that's probably the last big time job offer he gets. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's t- it's tough yeah. in South Carolina, but this is still a bad loss. Like they gotta be able to bounce back against this. Um end of the schedule is looking a little tough for him, so they're they're gonna have the work cut out for him here. But I think they could still end up with like an eight win season, and I think that'd be pretty successful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, number 10, USC, barely hanging on against Arizona. Jetfish doing some good work down there, man. They, he has got this Wildcats team overperforming what their talent is. USC gave up 543 yards. Like, you, like Arizona has some guys on offense, but if I'm USC, I am... I'm, ta- I'm double-taking on that. Like, that, that is something where USC, their defense has been... Arguably unsustainably good to start the season out. Now we're kind of getting into the meat of their schedule, and they're going to be tested a lot. That obviously they let Utah score a lot on them. Like they, they are. I've been down on USC's defense, especially like the defensive lines. Like going into the season, I just think like the lines are not good enough to be a contender. So this is concerning if you're USC, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, it's never good to give up that kind of yardage. No, no matter who you're playing. Yeah, no matter who yeah, the team, but like especially Arizona. Yeah. Like Arizona does have a good offense, but like 
you're still USC in there, Arizona. Like, you got to be able to do a little bit better than that. But they were able to – I mean, they are able to put up points. Obviously, they've got they've got some cheat codes on offense and, you know, Jordan Addison, that wide receiver, which mm-hmm. please Bears draft him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, they're going to be tested a little more going, in, going forward here. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if this defense can bounce back. Next up, we've got an SEC East showdown. Uh, not competitive at all. Number three, Tennessee Volunteers beating number 19, Kentucky, 44-6. Tennessee debuting at the number one spot in the college football playoff rankings. How fucking nuts is that? I'm here for it, man. Oh, man. I I, I wasn't earlier this season. I'd I'd said some pretty not nice things about (laughs) Tennessee and and behind closed doors. Um, But I'm kind of here for it. Yeah. I'm kind of here. I I think it's kind of – it draws me up a wall how just nothing's happening with the NCAA investigation. Um, I, I, I just – I don't know if anything's de- developed in that in the past the few weeks. but I Tennessee one? Yeah. Yeah, they got they got punished because they self-reported. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but they – I think – I'm pretty sure a ruling did come out on that. I just can't remember what it was on off the top. I mean, I just they, – they paying recruits is one of the biggest – what, uh, to my understanding, it was one of the biggest recruiting vi- violations you can do as a program at, at that time anyways. I think the whole NIL thing helped ease maybe the punishment on it, but I, I just I feel like what happened there, they didn't, they didn't get a bowl ban. Did they lose some – maybe they lost some scholarships, but – Yeah, hang on. They didn't have to vac- – they didn't vacate – did they vacate wins? Did they – don't think they vacated any wins. Um, I mean, that's – because I, I just – I feel like it's like almost – hypocritical to how some schools have been treated or would have been treated if that had happened to them for them. Yeah. I mean, they got accused of 18 level one of violations. Um, Yeah. I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing any uh, recent news about it or anything like that. Um, I mean, it looks like it was 60 grand total was what they, uh, what they paid or like what they paid. No, 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 no. What they paid the players. Uh, what they're admitting, but sure. Which, okay. Yeah, but I, I do think that Tennessee, like, kind of shady, but, like, they self-reported these violations so they could get Pruitt out. Like, they... Well, I'm not saying Tennessee, the organization. I'm not... not yeah. I'm saying it's, like, how we're... Like, why is this just being brushed under the rug? And that's what turned me up a wall. It's kind of yeah. like, why... Why is there... It doesn't seem to be... More... I don't know. More I, I, that. I could, yeah, I, I, got, I well, get what I you're could, saying. I, I could be off base on it. I just feel like other programs have been slapped on the wrist a lot harder for less, for less severe offenses. Yeah. And the, and this is just all like, yeah, well, don't do it again. Maybe it's the, nat- maybe it's the nature of the violations. Like I, I think there's there were, something I don't know. Yeah. I, th- I think there was quite a few where like they bought meals for like the recruits. So maybe it's one of those, like, like, I don't know. Like obviously what they were doing was violating the NCAA rules at the time. So they should be punished, but like, I'm not, I'm not personally going to get too pressed about them buying breakfast for players. You know what I mean? So yeah, there was there was a lot more than that. There was I yeah. Think, oh, there I definitely was the McDonald's bags. I saw something where Pru- well, where well, where Pruitt's wife had also taken. Uh, I can't remember if she'd taken like uh, finance cars or if it was she had put uh, leases under her name and stuff like that. But for yeah. recruits, like she was like renting them houses, like there yeah, was shit like that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the stuff that needs to get kind of reined in if you're going to actually be serious about this stuff. I'm more just talking yeah. like if I hear like they spend a bunch of money on breakfast for these kids, it's like, oh, yeah. who, oh, who my cares? Yeah. Yeah. And then they, I don't care if they pay the kids in the first place. I, it's not like I have some moral problem with it, but 
if it's against the rules and they get caught. Right, yeah. It's got to be fair punishment like you would to that. Like, and I don't think Tennessee is getting – I'm coming off like I'm accusing Tennessee of getting preferential treatment on this, which I partially – I don't understand why they would, but it kind of does seem that way in my opinion. But obviously I think to be fair and to step back and then there must be something going on that I don't know and that hasn't really come out in the public that it yeah. wasn't that severe to where they're not – because the NCAA I don't think would really – as easy it is for an angry Auburn fan to sit there and say they're getting treated special. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the NCAA would act, would actually do that. Right. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure what's going on there on that front either. It doesn't look like there's been anything since the, uh, the official um, complaints were filed. So uh, maybe they're just still working on investigating it, but yeah, circling back to know. the game, I mean, Hendon hooker playing like that dude, uh, four total touchdowns, 245 yards. Um, he, I mean, he's, He's the front runner for the Heisman Trophy, if you ask me. Like, oh yeah, he had his Heisman moment last week, and he has another chance. He has a chance to do it again this week. Like, if he can beat Alabama and Georgia in one season, like that dude is a runaway Heisman favorite. Like, not even he would have to really try to lose it after that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he'd have to fall off a cliff. Like. Maybe literally in order to lose the Heisman Trophy race at that. I point. mean, he could go out there and play left-handed and throw three interceptions two games in a row, and they'd still probably back. You're at least getting invited to New York. Yeah, to show his game tape, be like, "Yeah, what are you going to do about this?" But uh, yeah, yeah, Jalen Hyatt, also that dude, having another hundred-yard two touchdown game. Um, Cedric Tillman's going to be back for this Georgia game. And, yeah, that's uh, huge. Yeah, Levis on the other. Do you know? Side. Do you know what the spread is on that game right now? I, can I saw look it, it up was really like. Quick. Last I saw, it was Georgia by double digits, maybe ten. I thought I heard someone saying earlier it was eleven or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's somewhere in that ballpark. That's, I mean, Vegas. Vegas usually is is pretty good on that stuff, but man, that stuff. That that's one weird. of those things where it's like, what do they know that we don't know? Yeah, it's just like the Ole Miss LSU line. It's like, what do they know that we don't know? Exactly. And that line, that's why I didn't touch it. But I was like, if I did, I'm taking LSU because if Vegas thinks it's going to be that close, and LSU's probably going to do something here, but right. Because Vegas damn near does have a crystal ball, but mm-hmm. I, Tennessee, they're giving 11 points, 10, 10 points to Tennessee. It's like they want you to take him. That's yeah. the thing. Um, That's what it, scares you. It's bait. That's yeah. what scares you. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia did just have a linebacker. Uh, some kind of lower body yeah. injury. He's out for the rest of the season. Yeah. So that's going to be a huge loss for them looking into this game. But uh, yeah, I mean, on the flip side, Levis, his draft stock's going down, I think. I mean, you get people saying that he's still going to go in the first round because of his traits, but man, like I, I didn't. I, I yeah, they, he can throw the ball far. Yeah, so can a lot. Like I, he had a good year last year, and he's not a bad quarterback. No, he's not bad. But mind you, this is the kid who couldn't beat out Sean Clifford and had to transfer out of Penn State. Oh, what did I say about Sean Clifford? Earlier? When when you put it that way, that's pretty tough. And he th- like he threw three yeah. picks this game, got sacked four times, which Kentucky's offensive line is awful and those are definitely contributing factors to how he's played this year but man he's just not doing himself any favors when it comes to the draft this year no that's that's yeah 40 46 uh, yeah. is final score like that i mean no no emotional letdowns or no looking ahead to georgia for for the volunteers they they take care of business and that's going to be an insane game to watch. I'm so uh, that that was that. my big that was my big hit of the week. I, I, yeah. I took them really really heavily on uh, against the spread. I think they were 11 point uh, favorites against yeah. Kentucky last week, and I and I took them heavily. Yeah, that great pick then. 
Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got number 15, Ole Miss bouncing back, beating A&M 31-28. Uh, Ole Miss ran it down the throat. Uh, mm-hmm. Almost 400 rushing yards. A&M's defense just not – like. Obviously, when you sign the recruiting class that they just signed with all these five-star D linemen, they um, they're not going to contribute right away. Like that's just the but nature. Dude, I, I, yeah, and I don't think that's a fluke. I don't think the four hundred yards rushing is a. They did that against Auburn, and I'm not saying Auburn's yeah. defense is good, but I'm saying they've done it more than once a season right. against SEC. It's not like and A and M's defense A&M, has gotten scored on, and they've gotten moved the ball on. Like I, I think A and M's defense is A and M's just not that good. No, they're not. They're they're not very well coached. They're super talented, oh. but they're not. And and I thought at the beginning of the year, A&M's defense, I thought looked good. But then yeah. they've uh, at least I, that was probably just a little bit of preconceived notion based on the talent. But um, I mean, Ole Miss is just they're they're that offense is they they are they are cruising. Yeah, right now for a, a really lame way to put it, anyways. But I mean, that's the second time. I mean, they had three hundred yards rushers against Auburn, and I. I know Auburn's defense is not good this year. They're actually almost historically bad, but it's still an SEC defense, and you yeah. don't, you don't, you don't just do that because you're not good. If you're running the ball for that many yards in a game alone, uh, nevertheless, a couple games individually, yeah. you're 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 a fucking unit, man. That's it's kind of the opposite of what we talked about with USC. Like if you're giving up that many yards, no matter who you're playing, that's bad. Like if you're running for yeah. 390 yards on anybody, that's good. Like yeah, you're just good. Um, yeah. On the flip side, like Wegman, he he actually looked okay. He he looked fine. He had four touchdowns, so he he was able to put up points for A and M, and he might be the guy going forward. But Jimbo's got to hit got to hit on a recruit at some point. He's got to be able to develop. I I honestly am just starting to think it's a Jimbo problem with these quarterbacks. Like it's not he's like he's stuck in the nineties, man. That yeah, offense is stuck in the nineties. It is, and uh, had a lot of injury timeouts this game. <laughs> they. Uh, you know, obviously, people do that sometimes to get a little more time for the defense to regroup or for their for their side to regroup. But uh, I guess I didn't see this, but I guess Kiffin called out a player who was faking an injury, saying, "Why don't you just lay down?" Um, so did he really? Apparently, yeah. So that's a tough look for that guy. <laughs> but uh, Ole Miss is a good team, honestly. I know this was a close game, and I know they just lost to South Carolina last last week, but they're a good ball club. They still have a chance to win the West too. Like they, if they can beat Alabama, which Al- Alabama looks beatable, honestly. But you said they lost to who last week? Or they didn't they lose lost to? L- S- they lost to LSU. LSU, LSU. That's LSU. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah getting South Carolina and LSU confused. No, that's fine. I think I, I've done I, that I twice sure, actually. I thought I heard you. I was making sure I heard you correctly. Uh, that, yeah, they uh, lost to LSU, but they. I mean, they still have a chance to win the West, and they're if they can beat Alabama, which Alabama does look vulnerable this year. Um, Dude, Saban just has Lane's number a lot of times. So, yeah, man, he does. That, like, even with Matt Corral and that potent offense they had a year mm-hmm. or two ago, they went out there and – Just stunk it up. Oh, they ran like 20 RPOs in a row. And yeah. just – and they they got their ass kicked. They did. I mean, it's – So, they, they, they do have a chance, though. I think Bama, Bama this year just not as much of a wagon as – they have been in the past. Um, so, I mean, they've got a chance. But, again, like you said, Saban, I'm going to give the edge to Saban no matter what. Like, I'm sure if you bet Saban, you're going to be just fine throughout the course of the season, no matter how many upsets happen. Like, you're still going to do just fine. So, um, But Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, I think the uh, the transfer portal leaning on that has paid off. 
uh, hasn't necessarily gotten him to an undefeated place, but I think he's gotten him enough wins to show that proof of concept that that works. Um, he's just got to keep getting good quarterbacks in. Yeah. Um, it's hard to build a championship per- program through the portal. You can build, you know, winning teams through a portal, but as far you've got to build championship programs through the high through high school ranks. You, and you bring in portal. Yeah, you still do have to recruit well at the high school ranks, but like we haven't really seen a team try to build through the portal like this until like this year and last year with Michigan State and with uh, with Ole Miss. Like it's, I think it's just an interesting experiment as to how far you can go with the portal. Do you think Lane Kiffin is a good recruiter? <sighs> That's a good question. Because bringing transfers in is, is is part of recruiting. Like, do you think? When you why okay if if he's a good recruiter then why has he not been able to recruit out of high school while he's been at Ole Miss is it the is it Ole Miss just not being one of the historically premier spots for high school kids to go to or is it Lane Kiffin being a somewhat uh, lazy recruiter may be harsh and may just be I don't know if he's not able to what what's your opinion on that so. I mean, I'm just trying. I'm just taking a look at just some of their past classes. Like he's he's putting together top twenty five classes. Like just he, good for all this. Yeah, like he this past class, um, not taking into account transfers, was still twenty second. Like the class before seventeen. Like he's he is a decent recruiter. Uh, I wouldn't say he is a top. But end recruiter. Do, do you think he's hindered by being an old Miss? It's possible. But I think it might just it might just take some time for him to overcome that. Like if he can continue to get results on the field, then maybe maybe he ends up raising Ole Miss's profile. I just don't think Ole Miss is. I'm not going to get off topic here. Yeah. Uh, no, so, I, so, I see I, what you're I, saying. Ole Miss, yeah. Ole Miss definitely has like kind it's of, just not the sexy program that a bunch right. of kids grow up dreaming to play for, and which yeah. is again why I think he's he's capped at Ole Miss. But I'm not going back into that. Yeah, I so. can definitely I can definitely see that argument. I think it's just. It's possible that he, if he's st- if he's there for the long haul, then maybe he can raise that profile. It's just hard. It's hard to project out that far, especially with. Uh, yeah, it, it, it would take it would take a good decade or so. Well, that may be harsh, but you got to think it ha- it have to be the kids who are growing up now seeing him win big at Ole Miss. Yeah. To then, well, by the time they're ready to be recruited, they're like, oh, I I I remember watching that growing him, up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely agree there. So uh, he's definitely going to be like one of the favorites to for the Bama job once Saban retires. Like he's yeah. he can get his pick of a college job at this point, honestly. So it's it's going to yeah. be interesting to see whether or not he does stick to Ole Miss. But yeah, um, but yeah, good win for Ole Miss. A uh, and M still just kind of floundering, uh, not looking great long long term here. Uh, next game we've got number twenty one UNC beating Pitt forty two to twenty four. Uh, come from behind win. Uh, Pitt was up twenty four to fourteen before. North Carolina just came screaming back. They scored 28 unanswered points. Drake, man, Drake May is the real deal. Like we talked about, we talked about some of these other guys being the real deal. Drake May is that guy. He just, he, he dazzles, like he just dazzles you whenever you watch him play. Like between him, his mobility, like he got 61 yards on the ground and it was, he he's, for a quarterback, he's fast. Like he's not, obviously going to be like your fields or Lamar or anything like that fast, but he can, he can move with his legs. And then on top of that, almost 400 yards and five touchdowns against Pitt. Like he's done this against every team that he's played against. 
Like he is just able to put points on the board and he has really good receivers. Like Josh Downs is probably going to go to the NFL draft too. Like, but he is, he's throwing guys open. Like he, for a freshman, he is playing incredibly. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. He's, he's killing it. He does have good receivers around him, but you still got to be able to make the throw. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, and the throwing guys open thing is something that's almost impossible to teach. You've got to have it. You can tell them where to throw it to throw a guy open, but you still got to be able to do it. Exactly. And that's, He's gonna he's yeah. gonna be so much fun to watch going going forward for his college career and whenever he eventually does get to the league. I mean, I think he's definitely gonna be the Heisman favorite, like going into next year. I don't see anybody I don't see anybody who's in the college football landscape that's really gonna challenge him for that favorite spot, at least going in. Well, he'll be he'll definitely be one of the top hopefuls coming yeah. out of the going into next year. Yeah. Carolina's still uh, they've got a pretty good chance to run the table. Schedule to close the season out, not looking too strong so they've got a chance they could win the acc honestly and if uh depending on how the rest of the sec and the big 10 shake out like they ha- could potentially be a playoff team which would be pretty cool to see honestly yeah no it would absolutely yeah that'd be really cool so we've got two games left here so first up we've got the world's largest outdoor cocktail party um not remotely close uh i mean it got close at one point but georgia just ended up kind of stepping on the gas and just t- just taking care of business. Honestly, they jumped out to a 28 to three lead, which I'm sure all Georgia fans, uh, that was probably the least excited they've been about a, a Georgia game in quite a while, especially when Florida started coming back, they got to within the score and then uh, Georgia finally decided to quit fucking around. But, uh, mm-hmm. the run game, definitely on point 200 yards, four touchdowns over 200 yards and four touchdowns. Brock Bowers, uh, he and Michael Mayer are the two best tight ends in college football this year. Like, just without Brock Bowers is going to the, one of the best receivers period. Yeah. I don't care what position he's playing. Yeah. I mean, the guy lines up out, out wide and beats defensive backs. Yeah. He, he's uh, incredible. It, yeah. Is he draft um, eligible or does he have another year? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. If he and Mayer are both coming out this year though, it's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, who go, who gets taken first there. But uh, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Nolan Smith, that linebacker is going to be out for the year. Uh, Tough, especially coming into a coming into a game where you're playing against this extremely potent offense. He's a stud, man. He is. He's a sideline to sideline linebacker who can play downhill. Yeah, he can fill the guy. He's he is the whole package. Yeah, he'll, he'll be a uh, he'll be a Sunday uh, player for sure. Oh, he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a first round. I mean, he, he's yeah. he's a, he's an elite prospect uh, going into the draft. Yeah. That's just um, it. Does I, I don't. Nice. It is, and I think honestly, where it hurts Georgia more than anything is going to be, yeah, kind of quarterbacking the defense, and especially against Tennessee, getting them aligned. I, I think they have guys who are plenty talented to step in who can make plays, but it's just that chemistry of being on the field and having that guy who can get you, who can, who can make the right calls for whatever he's responsible for in that position on the defense, and getting there and just against the pass. Schematically, what he's able to do covering yeah. in coverage is 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 harder to place, and we'll see if they have someone who can kind of fill those shoes even remotely, uh, because that's especially against a team like Tennessee, where you need all the athleticism you can get to keep you up with that. Be able to cover, well, yeah, with one of the better offenses we've seen in, in a long time. It's stopping the runs, not so much what I'm worried about. I think yeah. Tennessee probably, I think Tennessee may struggle to run the ball against Georgia. Oh, I think they um, will, and that's. And probably where that Vegas line is coming from, to be honest with you, I think they're they may, they Georgia could easily expose them because um, I think Bama 
Tennessee matched up well for Bam, with Bama. Yeah. Uh, because Bama's secondary is not as elite as it used to be. And just in general, they're, they, they just haven't been quite up to that saving standard the, right. pa- the past year and a half. And so that, that matched up, that matched up really well. Yeah. Georgia, uh, makes, Georgia's a huge test. Like, I mean, yeah. Tennessee, if they're not able to run the ball, they're going to have a really tough time. And Georgia has the dudes to be able to take that away. Um, but they showed they showed it against Florida. Like they they were able to find once they decided to stop dicking around. Like they were able to shut Florida back down. Like it's it's one of those things. They are the they're probably still the best team in the country. I know Tennessee debuted at the number one spot. We're gonna see this weekend. Um, but I, I think it's gonna be a fun game no matter what. I'm excited for that one. Oh, I'm I'm so excited. I am so excited for That's that game. game of the week for sure. Um, but this last one here, uh, last one had a little drama going on. Uh, number four, Michigan beat Michigan State 29-7. to And uh, just going to rattle off a few of some of Bennett's takes here. Uh, he wasn't able to join us tonight, but he had a few things that he wanted to say. Uh, he did note that the Michigan State looked much – Michigan State defense looked much improved from what they had been. Uh, Michigan only had one true touchdown drive, um, you know, 80-yard drive. Uh, they had a few field goals, and then they had a touchdown that was set up inside of the Michigan State 10-yard line because of a bad snap, which happened a couple times. Um, that long snapper, I don't know how long he has a job for Michigan State. He he definitely almost lost them the game there. Um, Michigan State on offense, still looking pretty good, though, honestly. Blake Corum, um, he's not going to win the Heisman, but he might be a guy that gets, a, gets an invite to New York. He's playing very well. He had 177 yards and a touchdown on 33 carries. He's running behind a Joe Moore winning offensive line who's pro, who has a good chance of winning the Joe Moore award again. Um, J.J. McCarthy still played pretty well. Um, Bennett did note that he does take off way too early as a young quarterback, so he needs to keep working through his progressions and everything. And I think that's pretty typical of young quarterbacks. Like, that's just something – like experience helps with that a lot. Um, well, a lot of times they're, and they're used to being the best athlete on the field coming from high school. And yeah. They think they, they think they can kind of pull that. That happens a lot. Yep. And it's, it's an adjustment all young quarterbacks are going to have to make. McCarthy, mm-hmm. JJ has a lot of talent, though. Like he, from from what we have seen so far this season, he is definitely a, an awesome guy to watch. Um, noted Michigan State had no rushing attack, which, I mean, Michigan State's defense is insane. Like they're – very good on both sides of the ball, honestly, especially in the trenches. So, like, that that's not super surprising. But uh, Keon Coleman had a great stat line this week, five catches for 155 yards and a touchdown. So, he was able to put some offensive production out. Their only touchdown that they scored. Um, for Michigan going forward, they've got a game against Illinois right before the Ohio State game. Illinois is ranked and a pretty good ball team, so I don't think they're going to be looking ahead necessarily. But I do think it's one where Illinois – could be built to catch them sleeping. I mean, they just, yeah. I mean, Illinois just caught someone sleeping this week. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, uh, I agree with you there. But, um, yeah, obviously the Ohio State game is going to be the game for them to be paying attention to. But Illinois is a good ball team. I think that one's going to be interesting to watch. Michigan State, I mean, they're just not good. Like, they're just not nearly living up to what some of the expectations had been going into the season. So no, no. And it's, how are they, how are they looking recruiting this year? Do you know? Uh, recruiting this year? I do know that they got a lot of, they had a lot of visits like going into this, um, 
like going into this recruiting cycle. I don't know how many commits that has necessarily netted them, though. Uh, as of right now, they've got the number 44 ranked class. Not good. Just Yeah, it just feels like that Mel Tucker hype's rubbing off a little bit. Because yeah. Michigan State does have – they can be a really good team. They can be a top-20 team year in and year out. But state, they, the state of Michigan has talent like that. Yeah, and it's and – it's, you know, they had a lot of really good years when we were young. I, I can't believe I'm forgetting the guy's name, the coach. Um, who's the coach of Kirk. Yeah, it was it was Antonio. That's what was in my head. But I didn't want to say that and sound like an idiot. Um, <laughs> that'd be someone else's. That would be somebody else's coach. Um, yeah, but they, I mean, they had a lot of help. They're the one reason that Auburn won the national championship in 2013. Mm-hmm. They beat Ohio State, and that's yep. what put Auburn. And that's what put all. It's, I mean, they, um, yeah, and looking like their best player in this coming recruiting class so far, obviously you still got some time to go until signing day, but their best player nationally is a three-star ranked 416th. Like that's just not going to cut it. If you're wanting to beat Ohio state or Michigan, that's, that's bad. Like that is bad. They have got to be able to bring some talent in. Well, and it's tough, man, because in that region too, you have to, it's again, one of those regions where you largely have to outsource recruiting and Michigan state, is good. I mean, Michigan struggled. Uh, you, outside of Ohio State, not many teams come into the SEC and kind of get top tier. Or pull SEC, the guys that they me, want. Yeah, the southeastern, the southeastern part of the country, um, and really pull who they want away from those southeastern schools. Yeah, Ohio um, State's really, Ohio State's really the only one, honestly. They, they don't do even it. do it's not. They don't do it that much. Yeah, Notre they, Dame. Notre Dame can sometimes, but not yeah. not whoever they want. Like they've got to fight for some of these dudes, but. Yeah. Yeah, Michigan State, they got a lot of work ahead of them. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pulling for them, man. I like the program, and yeah. I like – I like. Uh, it's a tough look, what happened in the tunnel this weekend. Um, I don't know if you saw any of that. Or, I did. I yeah. did. And I got to feel Mel Tucker will get that, that shit straightened out. That yeah. That is eight, – Eight players have been suspended for Michigan State already, so they he's definitely coming down on that. Um, I mean, it's just like, what the hell are y'all thinking? Yeah, we're in the uniform. Regardless, you're in the uniform or not, you represent the university. But I mean, it, to be as bold as do in the uniform in the stadium, yeah. was it was it was it premeditated at all, or did that guy just walk through the lot, the the tunnel and they just jumped him? Yeah. So there's been multiple. There's been a bunch of conflicting reports on that. Some people were saying he was going back to the training room early to get looked at for an injury. Um, other people say he was just kind of going back to the locker room early for whatever reason, but. You could definitely kind of tell on the video that he was kind of chirping at some of the Michigan players, Michigan State players, as he was going into the locker room. But that's not justification. Like that's as the sports, you talk shit on the field yeah. all game long. You talk shit on the field all game long, and you're and that's the thing too. You, like you had sixty minutes to to do that shit legally. You couldn't do it. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. And I get. I look. I'm not justifying it at all. But I, you know. I can sympathize with the emotions being high. Yeah, like and, it's, and it's an get, emotional you, game. You, and kind of, you kind of get your ass kicked, and then you, it's the guys in the in the tunnel talking shit to you, thinking you're not going to do anything. Like he's going to get away with it. I get how that's hard yeah. to not react, but I mean, you, you just man, that's that's tough. That's like tough. they like they they assaulted the dude. Like they jumped him. There was no other Michigan staff or anybody around to like step in or anything like they were just wailing on him one dude one dude hit him in the head with a helmet like that i mean there's part of me i'll be honest with you there's part of me that feels that's just like you know the michigan state player probably just the michigan player excuse me probably deserved it um you know i mean if, if, 
it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right, but because you, you, you can't do that. He Whether was talking. Yeah, he was talking a lot yeah. of shit. I I completely believe that he is not like completely innocent in this situation. I just don't think there was really anything he did that we you, see you, that justifies that. Response. No, you can't. You can't if you're looking in the in the, the eyes of the law or just that. You can't justify jumping somebody, especially eight on one, when the guy was just saying something to you. You can't. Yeah. He didn't physically assault you. You weren't in defending. You can't justify that, but right. if we're talking man to man, I mean, it's just like you know, the dude was sitting there. You know, I kind of feel like he's just sitting there mouthing off, sparting off, thinking, you know, oh, because knowing that oh, they can't do anything to me because yeah. they're you know, if you're on the street, you oh, be that doing was that. absolutely yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah, he, he was like, you know, you can't do anything to me here. You know, if he was on the street, I guarantee you wouldn't said a thing. Well, guess what? They brought him the street in the tunnel for a few minutes there, and they're like, oh no, you're not gonna. No, and so yeah. that's why I don't really feel I don't really feel bad for the Michigan. I I don't know. I, and people are like just, blame, people are like blaming the tunnel and shit like that just because they have the one tunnel. I'm just like, I don't know. Like you should be able to have better discipline on your team, and you should be able to be more disciplined than to let fucking running next to each other. Even the other yeah. players are going to be talking shit. Like it doesn't happen with Ohio State. You think Michigan really is talking more shit to you than Ohio State? Like. Yeah, arguably, to be honest with you. I mean, I that's a, I feel like that's a more bitter rivalry. Yeah, that's but. true. There's, It is very bitter. Um, but, yeah, I, Bennett's only comment on that was bad, and I, th- I think that's pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty fair comment. But, yeah, it's just tough. And, I mean, we're going to see what shakes out of all that. As of right now, like I said earlier, there's eight players suspended indefinitely for Michigan State, so we're going to see what happens going forward. But, um mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, from a football perspective, Michigan State like just didn't wasn't able to do anything. So it's nice to see they had some fight after the game. But that's yeah, pretty well, much. I mean, yeah, where where was it during the game? Yeah, they were they were able to finally find some fight. So good for them, I guess. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, that, I mean, that's it for all the bigger games. Really, we had a few that just weren't necessarily worth bringing up a whole lot of, but. Uh, Bennett had a nice little hypothetical here that I wanted to put to you. Love so, these. So yeah, so we've got a hypothetical situ- playoff situation here, which is especially yeah. pertinent since the rankings came out today. So we've got a group of teams, potential playoff contenders. So we, I just want to know who gets in for you. We've got one loss, Big 12 champ, TCU. One loss, Pac-12 champ, whether that be UC- your USC, UCLA, or Oregon. One loss, ACC champ. One loss, Uga or Tennessee, and then a one loss, non Big Ten champ. So, who's the odd man out out of those five? Are you putting TCU over the loser between Ohio State and Michigan, or the loser between Georgia and Tennessee? Like, okay, well, let's let's who are we? Who else are we? Who's the other three teams in the playoff? Well, I think these are like just your. These are the five who are in the hypothetical, which one are you leaving out out of these? So it's going to be the Pac-12 champ, the Big 12 champ, the SEC champ, who is probably going to be Georgia or Tennessee, the ACC champ, or the Big or the uh, the Big 10 runner-up, basically. <clears throat> okay, so who – okay, this is who gets in the playoff if these scenarios pop up. Yeah. Okay, if, if these scenarios pop up and let's say it's between one of these teams to join the playoffs, I, that's what – Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I think the one lost Tennessee or Georgia that is obviously the easy answer. I would say they're definitely in. It, it, that's yeah, 
that's I mean, if we're picking one, if, if so, this scenario came up and all if all of these were true in a scenario and one of these teams are going to the playoffs, it would be the Georgia or Tennessee. So that's two. So so his stipulation was assuming the other team stays undefeated and beats Bama or Ole Miss in the SEC championship. So that's already assuming okay. one of those teams so gets in. So yeah, and absolutely have, both of them. Yeah. yeah. So that's two teams. So then for the other two spots, we've got the Big Twelve, Pac twelve, ACC, or um the non big 10 champ. And honestly, the other team, the big 10 champ is going to take one of those spots. It's going to be Ohio state or Michigan. So we're really fighting over one spot here now that I'm looking Mm -hmm. at it. So it's going to be whoever loses the Ohio state Michigan game, basically versus the ACC champ, the PAC 12 champ or the big 12 champ, whether if they have one loss, that's a tough one. I'm inclined to go. I'm inclined to go ACC champ. Honestly, I mean, I think pedigree says Clemson. Uh, yeah. Recent pe- recent me- memory pedigree. Yeah, uh, I think USC is going to be kind of a media darling, but I don't. I don't think USC has anyone on their schedule that is USC going to have to play Oregon, or are they going to avoid Oregon? I think they may avoid Oregon. Yeah, I think they might be avoiding Oregon. I'm checking the schedule right now. I mean, I think they avoid Oregon even in the championship scenario or something like that. I, well, I no, it, they would be playing Oregon in the championship for sure if they if they made the championship. Um, Oregon, Oregon's in the North. USC's in the South. Pac-12 has a championship game though, correct? Yes. Or is it just the best standings? No, they they it's the two divisions, the North and the South, and they play in the championship. So yeah, the rest of their schedule. I, I mean, <laughs> they've got UCLA and then Notre Dame. Really, are the only two good teams. And you know, one good team left. So I mean, I mean, if to me it'd be between USC and Clemson. Assuming, let's say, does USC already have a loss this year? Yeah, they lost to Utah, so they would be winning out. <sighs> See, but I think that Georgia lost to Oregon. So let's say USC beats Oregon. Well, that Georgia loss hinders USC. I think in in the Clemson versus USC. I think I see. Here's the thing. I think if Oregon wins out. They're going to have a hard time keeping them out of the playoffs, man. Their only loss coming to Georgia. Yeah, but if Georgia's in, then like, are you going to want a, a rematch when it was that bad? But you have to do what that's into the playoffs. It's what's it's it that it doesn't it, it it cannot possibly be about. Oh well, true. Do we want to see that game or not? No, yeah. it's about what you know. Truly, uh, is a one loss Oregon I, better than a one loss Clemson though, or even a one loss TCU? It's. The thing with Oregon, man, is it's tough because of strength of schedule. Yeah, um, it's tough. I think Oregon. I'm so I will say like I would personally I would eliminate whoever loses between Ohio State and Michigan that doesn't get to go to the Big Ten championship because they're not going to have a conference championship game. I feel like that should eliminate them. Like you, yeah, I agree. Like if you are an caveat, if you're not an independent, if you play in a conference champion that has a championship game, if you don't have that win on there, then that is a strike. Like especially if you're comparing I think it Tennessee, with Tennessee's only hope is also they have to beat Georgia this week because if they don't make it the SEC championship, you think they're out too. So you don't. I, so you, I, I think they're going. They're not because they're not going to put a Bama. Well, Bama would again. Then Bama would have to beat Georgia, and that'd be the only way they make it in the SEC. I can see maybe Tennessee rebounding into the SEC or into the playoff if UGA beat Bama in the SEC championship. Yeah, so oh, I don't know. That's that is a tough Eric. Why did you do this, man? This is a pretzel. Yeah, so yeah. It, it is tough just because, like, I know I just said that I don't think if you're not in the 
if you're not in the conference championship, you shouldn't get into the playoff. Like, especially if in these scenarios where all when there's other, only four teams, when, there, when there's only four teams right now until it expands, yeah, I agree with that. And all of these and other teams, and in this scenario, all of these other teams have one loss. Like, that that's the thing, too. So I, I think it should just be the straight-up conference champs. Like, it should be whoever goes undefeated between Ohio State and Michigan in the, in the Big Ten, whoever goes undefeated between Georgia and Tennessee. Like, those should be two of them. And then... For me, you're picking two of the three of these other conference champions, and then I'm in, I'm inclined to go ACC and Big Twelve. Honestly, I just have I don't have any faith in the Pac-12. I, I, I agree with you. I, I so that would be my four. Like, and it, it would yeah. it would suck because I do think Michigan is probably, or I do think the Big Ten team is probably going to be better than either TCU or Carolina or Clemson. Same with the SEC team, but like. You gotta win those games. Like, like, what's the point of having conference championship games if you can still get in losing and not even like being in it? Like, losing your conference championship game—if that's your one loss, then you know that that's a different story because you're at least in the game. But like, yeah, I don't know. I, I would well, still. Well, that's that's where it's tough because it's great. What if your one loss? You didn't make it in the SEC championship, but your one loss is to the number one team in the country. Yeah, who's also in the SEC, who you have to play in your division. That makes you know, it tough, and and you and you you definitively beat everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it is tough. It, yeah, it, it's uh, and it's, especially if you're competitive in that loss against the number one team in the country. So that that's where the that's why the expanded playoff needs to happen. Should have happened yes. from day one, but there are too many bowl contracts that just kind of prevented that from happening. But um, I mean, my in my dream, what I think would be a really fun playoff outside of this hypothetical to watch would be Oregon, Clemson, and SEC pick your team, uh, Ohio State. I think that would be a fun playoff to watch. I agree. You get a little more parity in it. You get Oregon and Clemson would be a fun matchup. I think they're pretty evenly matched teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get SEC versus Ohio State. That would be. Yeah, I think that is what I would probably end up wanting to do as well as the the ACC yeah. champ, the the Pac or yeah, I don't know TCU. Uh, that's the one I'm I'm having trouble with because I think the Big Twelve is a better conference than the Pac twelve is. TCU is on the outside looking in firmly. Yeah. They're not in any of my hypotheticals uh, that they would. The only way they get in is if they went out and Oregon and USC both top some games. Yeah, and right. you've some, convinced, yeah. You've convinced me. Fine, Oregon. Yeah. Uh, I would yeah. do. I would do the Pac-12 champ, the ACC champ, and then the two, the SEC and Big champs. Those would be my four. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. If I'm just picking for fun, the, what who I want to see. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a tough hypothetical. So uh, yeah. I, I mean, I Bennett. That's a great question. Thanks for making us think about this for a little bit. But uh, I won't keep you any longer here. We're gonna sign off here. Uh, if you're listening and you have thoughts on what your answer to this hypothetical will be. We'll even tweet this out just so we can kind of put this a little more clearly so everyone can read it. Um, Cause I know I definitely did not read that very well, but uh, if you're listening, just feel free to give us feedback on Twitter. Follow us uh, at TNTCFB pod. Join us on the discord talk shop with us. Uh, if you have any thoughts on the, uh, the Michigan, Michigan state fight, uh, feel free to sound those off too. We're always looking for more discussion on that. But uh, in the meantime, uh, Birdsong, thanks for hopping on again, man. I appreciate you taking some time to talk to me. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure. Be happy to, especially now that I've, I've been a little wrapped up in, in, a, in a world of sorrow over here on the 
in the in Auburn world. But uh, now that things are moving forward, man, I'll, I'll be exciting to uh, I'll be excited to come on and kind of talk about things as they develop. Absolutely. But uh, and thank you guys for all listening in as well. Uh, we will have one more episode out this week, just doing a conference preview. Um, we will get that out. Got some exciting games, definitely uh, to talk about. We're looking forward to that. So, in the meantime, don't tweet at recruits. <laughs> Please don't. I don't care if they're committing to your rival. Leave them alone. I don't care if they were going to commit to you and they flipped. Leave them alone. They're at school. Good night, everybody.